The Sour Note, from Doctor Who Annual 1968. I need exercise, said Ben, pummeling his midriff. And the minute we materialise somewhere, I'm going to get it. He set off at a trot round the gleaming control room of the TARDIS. As he completed the circuit and came back to where she was standing, Polly said, You can't just go charging outside if it's a strange planet. You know there are all kinds of dangers. Ben started running on the spot. I don't care, he declared. I'm running to seed, getting fat. No exercise, must start somewhere. Doctor Who, sprawled out in a chair with his musical pipe to his lips, gave a whimsical laugh. So, if I throw a few switches right now and the ship materialises in some unknown spot on some unknown planet, you intend to go out for a run, eh? He leered. Ben stopped running and glared. Yes, I do, he snapped. Polly saw the doctor begin to get to his feet and she said hastily, Oh, don't take any notice of him, Doctor. He just feels a bit restless. Cooped up, you mean? said Ben, sulkily. He began to prowl about. It's all very well flying through time and space all your life, and I won't say I don't get a kick out of all the adventures, but still, well, I'm young. I need to shake a leg and go, man, go. Twirling his pipe, Doctor Who approached the gleaming console of his marvellous conveyance. My boy, never shall it be said that I ever repressed a single wonderful spark of youth, he said, laying his hand on a lever. Exercise you want and exercise you shall have. Now, if you'll just stop prowling about, hold on to the safety rail and keep an eye on the vision screen, we shall see what we can do for one cooped-up young man. The doctor's hands flitted delicately from lever to dial to switch. Polly watched, fascinated. There was a hollow feeling inside her, and it had nothing to do with a familiar sinking sensation which accompanied the process of materialization as TARDIS fitted its rearranged atoms into a new sphere. It was just that Polly was scared. She knew enough about her two companions to guess that neither would back down. Wherever they landed, Doctor Who would open up the doors and stand back with that twisted grin of his, and Ben's stubborn jaw would set like fast-drying concrete, and he would go jog-trotting out into the unknown like a schoolboy off for a cross-country run on a Sunday afternoon in Kent. It didn't happen quite like that, but almost... The vision screens glowed into life, showing a landscape that looked, for all the world, as if it had been made from a child's building set. Crazy step-and-stair mountains raised their skeletal outlines towards a green, velvet sky where three yellow suns swam like a battery of flood lamps above a theatre stage. Polly's heart sank at the weird sight, but she was a bit comforted to see that there was no sign of life. Have you any idea what planet this is? she asked, hoping to distract her companions from their conversation of a few moments ago. Doctor Who shrugged and set his tall, furry hat straight on his head. No, Polly, he admitted cheerfully. 
Since Ben rather forced me into this snap decision to materialise, it was all a matter of chance where we would land. I must admit that this type of landscape is an entire mystery to me. Ben took his eager gaze from the vision screens and began to scan the instruments which reported on conditions outside the ship. Well, whatever it is, I can go outside and get my exercise, he announced. All right with you, Doctor. Doctor Who grinned impishly. Off you go, my boy. Have a good run round and then come back and tell us what you saw, huh? He opened the door of TARDIS and then went off into the storerooms. Polly walked outside with Ben. They stood close together and looked with awe at the broken outlines of towering boulders, trees, mountains and peaks. I used to have a building kit when I was about six, mused Ben. I was always making landscapes like this on the kitchen table. It sounded a bit wistful and Polly was touched. She put a soft hand on his arm. Ben, don't go, she said. I, I mean, don't go far. Just run round and round the rocks where we can see you. What? And have the doctor watching me while he twiddled on his pipe? Not me, snorted Ben. He rolled up his sleeves and took a deep breath. Before Polly could say any more, he was loping industriously across the barren ground towards the skeletal mountains. There goes a very determined young man. Doctor Who was standing behind her and she turned to find something like admiration in his twinkling eyes. Strange, you know, Polly, but since my uh, reincarnation, I found myself thinking in an altogether more youthful vein, he said. She watched in silence as he took a deep breath in and let it out slowly. Hmm, yes, I think a little exercise would do us all good, eh? Shall we follow, Ben? As the doctor strode away, Polly hurried to catch up, chuckling inside. All he wanted was to keep an eye on Ben. For all his sardonic ways and whimsical fancies, it was plain that when it came to the crunch, he would no more think of letting Ben wander off alone on a strange planet than he would ever leave his musical pipe behind. But though they kept up a brisk pace, Ben was soon out of sight, beyond one of the crazy step-and-stair mountains. They hurried after him. To their amazement, the mountain had no depth at all. They passed round the cuboid crags at its foot and found themselves in a sort of arena. Polly gave a scream. <gasps> Doctor, look out! Towering above them was a monster that almost defied description. Was it a machine or a creature born of this nightmare planet? It had the vague shape of a monstrous grasshopper. Its body was of solid metal, glinting like bluish steel. It balanced on hind legs that seemed tubular and jointed. The two forelegs were similar, but they hung out from the body, and with their three-toed claws, they looked like the attachment to some giant mechanical scoop. The head was about 12 feet long, pear-shaped, with bulging globe-like eyes. The mouth, or what served as one, was a dark opening in the underside of the pear. There was a tubular neck, and the head appeared to be wired onto the body. 
Polly felt Doctor Who stiffen, and she moved closer to him. Then she remembered Ben. Where is he? She gasped, looking wildly around. You don't think this thing is... Although she could not bring herself to say the word eaten, Doctor Who knew what she meant. He squeezed her trembling shoulder. I doubt whether this thing eats anything, Polly. It seemed to be some kind of grotesque robot. It's probably controlled from a central point, perhaps a place hidden below the surface of this inhospitable planet. Keeping her fascinated gaze on the huge head towering above them, Polly whispered, But it must have a purpose, Doctor. Nobody would make a robot like that without a purpose. Doctor Who scratched his nose and nodded. Quite right. And the purpose that springs to my mind is a robot guardian or watchdog. But what is it guarding in a place like this? Polly wanted to know. Doctor Who moved cautiously sideways so that he could see beyond the giant robot. He gave an exclamation and pointed. Ah, there. Look, Polly, you see that opening in the rocks? There in the centre of the arena? It must be the entrance to an underground settlement. Now, let's see if my little theory about a watchdog was correct. He stooped and picked up a large rock. With a swift movement, he flung it into the arena. But the robot was faster. Its ungainly head swooped down with incredible speed and the flying boulder vanished. It... it swallowed the stone, gasped Polly. But Doctor Who held up a warning hand. Shh! Listen. Some high-pitched notes were shivering through the air. The great, ungainly head of the robot was moving from side to side, as if beating time to the rhythm of the notes. Doctor Who's shrewd eyes narrowed as he watched. I wonder, he mused half to himself, those notes are obviously signals that control the robot's actions. Now, if I could... He broke off, and Polly saw him raise his pipe to his lips. For a moment, she thought he was going to play a tune as he figured out the problem. Then, in a flash, she realised what he intended. He was about to imitate the warbling notes that seemed to control the robot. The notes from the doctor's pipe mounted into the still air of that dead planet. His amazing memory served him well. He was able to mimic with startling accuracy the high-pitched notes he had just heard. The effect was startling. Look! It's beginning to move! gasped Polly. It, it's coming alive! Doctor Who said nothing. He just kept on playing. But now he was moving backwards and motioning to Polly to follow. For the monstrous metal grasshopper was stalking forward on its gangling, jointed legs. Doctor Who grabbed Polly's hand and turned to run. What are you doing, Doctor? She gasped as they ran towards TARDIS. Why do you want it to follow us? He took his pipe from his lips long enough to pant. I have instruments in the TARDIS that will tell us whether or not poor Ben has been swallowed by this creature. Every step they drew nearer to the blue police telephone box caused Polly's heart to rise. Once inside TARDIS, she knew not even the fantastic watchdog or whatever strange hidden race controlled it could harm them. 
but she was sick at heart at the thought of Ben. How could he have avoided being caught by the monster? He had gone jog-trotting around the mountain with his chin tucked into his chest, not looking where he was going. He must have attempted to run straight past the thing, and that fearsome head must have swooped down and... Doctor Who was still trilling on his pipe. With lungs straining, they stumbled the last few yards to the doors of the TARDIS. Doctor Who paused on the threshold. He stopped tootling on his pipe and felt his chest with a weak hand. Oh, I must say, oh, that Ben was right. Oh, oh, Travelling through time and space does your wind no good at all. But Polly, watching the monster, saw that it was now responding to the same high-pitched notes they had heard in the arena. She saw the two forelegs begin to swoop and the grab-like claws open. Look out! she screamed. It's going to attack! They flung themselves backwards through the doors into TARDIS. The metal claws ground harshly against the walls. Polly came trembling to her feet. You see, it really is vicious, she gasped. It must have eaten Ben. Eaten me? What's all this about? came a voice behind them. They whirled. Ben stood grinning at them from the control room. Where have you two been? he asked. I had my little run around and came back to find you gone. Doctor Who moved grumpily towards his controls. It seems we've been wasting our sympathy, Polly, he began. But the rest of his remark was lost as the TARDIS lurched and all three went sprawling. Look, gasped Polly, pointing at the vision screens. Now they could see the metal monster towering over the TARDIS in a fury. Its tubular legs slashed down with stunning force. Obviously, it had received an order to destroy at all costs. As the time and relative dimensions in space vehicle rocked under the savage attack, Doctor Who hauled himself towards the controls. Hang on, he shouted. We're going to get out of here. The hum of the wonder machine rose higher and higher. The fearsome vision in the screens slowly dissolved in a vortex of whirling lines. And at the same time, the thunderous blows that shook the ship began to fade. Wearily, Doctor Who drove home the last lever. He turned to wipe his brow and looked with a peevish eye at Ben. Next time you want to take a sprint for exercise, would you mind running twenty times round the TARDIS inside? He said sardonically. <laughs> <laughs>